All right. Wow, I don't know. You know, I was just sitting there, and as we were worshiping, I just began to do a self-inventory of myself. And, you know, so often in life we go through from week to week, day to day, week to week, and we feel that, you know, life is not that bad, and I'm handling the, the affairs of life pretty pretty good. But as we were sitting there this morning, I was like, man, the worship was so powerful, and, you know, and the anointing of God was here. He just, like Pastor said, he just kind of like, boom, you know. Like the song says, he wraps, oh, the scripture says, he wraps his arms around us, and he gives us that great big old hug that we all need. And I was sitting there this morning, I was thinking, you know, I really don't need no hug this morning. I'm doing pretty good. But as, 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 as he began to read that, I sensed the Lord just, just giving me that big hug. And we sometimes don't feel that we really don't need that hug. That, hey, life is not that bad. But, you know, as, we, as I look back, I think about all the things, that I've, the things that have entered my ears, the things that I've seen this week, the things I've been going through in my own life, my own family, <clears throat> or people around us. We sometimes don't think about how this virus may be affecting other people because it's not really affecting me. We so often say, well, yeah, they're sick over there, but I'm not, and life is good. But is that the true attitude of the church in 2020? Should that be the attitude? And I was thinking, Lord, I, you know, because if you're not going through something... Life can, no matter what it is, life is always good. But I believe every one of us has been through something this week that we can be thinking about. It could be just a little bit of stress about maybe possibly getting married and what is that going to look like? Or someone who just lost a job, who's wondering and praying and believing God that he's going to provide and he will, and he will do greater than you ever expected. I do believe that. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. It's just, as I was talking to Manuel this morning about, he just recently lost his job. And I was saying, you know, God's getting ready to shift you into another group of people he wants you to minister to. To live before, to speak of God's love to. It's not, you know, we get all bent out of shape because we lose our job. And we've all lost a job, probably more than likely have lost a job at least once in our life, and we begin to walk and wonder what's going to happen next. But God's got that already set, up, set aside. He already knows. He knew that before you were even created. But our responsibility is to walk in a lifestyle of love no matter what life hands us. That is our responsibility as the body of Christ. And that is what I, if you've read the bulletin, someone got a bulletin? Did, you, did, did anyone know that I was going to speak on that? Please say yes, please. I mean, that means you're reading your bulletin. You know, you remember. <laughs> you know, so often we don't read our bulletins. We don't know what's going on, you know. Vicay gets like 800 calls a week. What's happening at Harvest this week? Oh, God, you know. Did you read your bulletin? Then my wife comes on and says, Do you believe that? Just tell them to read the bulletin. It's already in there, you know. But yes, I believe especially when we encounter hard times, even though we may not be going through them ourselves. We should always carry the heart of the Father out there into the world, not just once in a while, people, because I'm going to get into this today about what is love. What does love look like? 
But I believe God has called every one of us to live a lifestyle of love day in and day out. Sure, you can turn the button on and off when you want, but that's not what God is calling us to do. And we are in a place right now that we can shine the brightest light you could ever think of. You know, we really can. And crisis come and situations come and fear takes over. And we have the Father's heart. Man, we ought to be just like Pastor was reading this morning. And it was so funny, Pastor. That scripture came to mind in prayer this morning. I was like, whoa, that is so powerful. No matter what the enemy's darts come, you know, we can hide under the shadow of the Almighty. We can, it's a real place, people. You know, and the, and the funny thing about it is it's not out there, but it's within us. Talita said something this morning powerful. We have that hope. We should be walking in that. The question, are we living that lifestyle of love that God has called us to live day in and day out? I remember oh, a couple, about a year or so ago, and I brought this out briefly when I opened up in prayer oh, a while back. And... I seen, I was out on Mechanicsville Turnpike or Chamberlain Avenue, and uh, right in this front of a church in the marquee was, there was a scripture, and you know how they put these, these nice little sayings and stuff, and I kind of, I can't kind of took it and have been owning it myself uh, just because I think it's so powerful. And it says, the lives that we live is the lessons we teach. Listen to this. The lives we live, you and I, live is the lesson we teach. How do we know that? How many of you have children? Yeah, I see a young lady right there. What an amazing family. I just got to meet them this morning. I've been trying to get to them for like a month now, and I've been wondering, I've got to get to know these people. I just said, heck on the virus. I'm going over there anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, but she has children. You know, I had children. I didn't have to uh, tell my children a whole lot of things. Why? They picked it up by the things they seen, right? Most people, children, uh, especially children, you don't have to tell them to brush your teeth or you don't have to tell them to pick up the school book. You pick it up and you do it yourself and they usually follow you. So it's important that we live a lifestyle of love for everyone from the baby all the way to the grown-ups because this is what God has called us to do. I also... In my heart these past few months, because this message I'm going to talk about today has been there for quite a long time. You probably won't even hear me speak of the scripture except one time today, because this is going to have to be a two part message. There's no way. And I have said to myself, Father, I will not rush through this message. This is too important for us to rush through and rush out the door in a hurry and forget about what's going to go on. The two part message. Living a lifestyle of love. The lives we live is the lesson we teach. I don't want you to get caught up on, under the law of trying to be perfect. Trying to live perfect. To talk perfect. All I'm asking you is to be who you already are. And our sister this morning, I had a conversation about that. Why are we looking for God out there when God is in here? And this is the mind shift of harvest. This is where we're trying to get people to understand that people say, well, I'm going to pray heaven down. Heaven's inside of you. All of heaven, all authority, all power. All these things are already in us. But are we, are we taking time to realize that and walk it out? I'll give you an example. I was sitting in my house the other day. And, uh, you know, we get busy in life. And sometimes 
We don't even know what we have in our house. Right? Okay. So I'm sitting in the living room. I think it was right before prayer on Tuesday night. I'm sitting there and I'm looking around and I think Kathy came in. Yeah, Kathy's part of our prayer group there. And um, she, she's looking around and she sees family. I'm like, well, that's interesting. This is my house. And I didn't even know that it was up on the wall. You know, like crazy. This is crazy. That tells me something right there. That means that I must be really busy. You know, this is something that's on. And it's not like some little, you know, you got these little plaques you stick over here on the table or hang up there with all them other things on the, on the refrigerator. You know, you get like 500 of those little stick em things. Well, this thing is just this, you know. Oh, my God. So as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, wow, man, I love that. Because we're big family people. We love our kids and we love to be in with them. But here I am being so busy that I didn't even know this new, attractive Something that I need to really think about, maybe even more, and maybe that's why it's on the wall instead of my job. I don't know. But I always ponder these things. But it's just like the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The presence of God Himself inside of us. The Bible says we have everything we need for life and godliness to live a lifestyle of love. But do we recognize it? Do we recognize the greatness of his love inside of us? I'm blown away sometimes by that. I'll sit for hours just thinking about it, driving down the road thinking about that God would love me and that I have a responsibility to live this life out in this world. But so often we get busy in life and we don't take take thoughts about the responsibility that we have, number one. Number two, that all that we need in life and godliness and the greatness of this relationship with heaven and earth is here inside of us. It's not out there. We're not like Samaritans in the Old Testament. I mean, in the, in the, when Jesus said, the, you, you Samaritans go over there on the hill to worship. But we worship in spirit and in truth. What was he saying there? He was saying to you and I this morning, we can worship anywhere we want to worship. Thank God that we're not under the law, that we always had to go to a certain place and, and pray in a certain position to hit, let the Father, so the Father can understand us and we'd have a relationship with Him. He lives inside of us. But so often we get busy in life and we don't recognize it. Or not only that, but we don't even take time to want to recognize it. Because it costs, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us to be responsible to walk this life out in this life. Like I said, I'm not going to rush through this today. This message is definitely a two-part message. And I want to look at what love looks like. I want to look at it theologically. And that's what I'll be talking about today, theologically. What does love look like theologically? And the second part will be what does love look like practically? Some of the words I'm going to be speaking on today will be a word called love, as I already have been talking about. Serving, as Pastor Doug has talked about a little bit today. Serving, we brought Kathy up here and Kathy was saying, hey, you know what she was doing? Fingers, fingers, finger, finger, finger. You, 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 you. Wait a minute. And she's still over there. She's still over there doing it. It's okay, Kathy. We're going to get you a whole lot of people. 
But yeah, serving. There's nothing wrong with serving. Oh, God, when you hear the word servanthood in the Bible, oh, people cringe. Oh, I got to sacrifice. Same here. I'm with you on that. Man, when they started asking, passing around these sheets and stuff, we're done. Like, oh, my God. If I get involved with one more thing, I'll never know what God looks like because I'll be so busy doing that I won't even know if he's even around. There's another word called works or good deeds. How many of you watch The Wizard of Oz? Good deed doers. Yeah, got those guys. You remember those guys? They all went to see the Oz and yeah, you're the good deed doers. There's nothing wrong with good deed doers, people. There's nothing wrong with serving others. There's nothing wrong with loving others. There's not, nothing, do, nothing wrong with doing good works. But you have to understand, and I want you to understand this point. If you are doing those four words out of a place of trying to get approval or acceptance by God the Father, your motivation is wrong. But if you're serving Him because you have a relationship and because He lives in you, Because the Father came to this earth and He served us and He still serves us. Do you know that every morning you wake up and you open your eyes, you see mercy? He's still serving. He's still pouring it out every day. I woke up this morning and I said, God, and I do that this often. I wake up, I'm laying, I'm thinking, God, here I am alive again today. I get to experience your love and your forgiveness again today. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's not just some pretty little word in a book called the Bible. It's actually an action of love that God pours out upon us every single day. But do we recognize it? Do we recognize it? Your world would change dramatically. The outcome of your situation to life would change dramatically if you would understand that and recognize it. Take just a moment in the morning. God is not offended if you're laying on the pillow when you're talking to Him. Some people think, well, i got to get down on my hands and knees. I've got to actually work to get this going. God says, just lay there on the pillow. It's okay. Hug your husband if you want to, if he's still around. Hug your wife and begin to talk to the Father. Man, I laid there this morning. I have some of the greatest moments. Because you know why? Because if I wait to the end of the day, this guy here, this is how I am at the end of the day. Because I'm up in the trees, I'm climbing, I'm a landscaper. Okay, okay. Do you think the, yeah, he can talk to me while I'm sleeping or nodding out or whatever you want to call it. But the greatest times of the morning, get up in the morning. Just get up five minutes early. And the same thing with coming into the house of the Lord. You've heard me say, come into the house of the Lord early. I came in this morning and I'm just listening to this worship music and I'm going, whoa, whoa. Man, the greatest medicine in the world is, is right here. It's not what I'm saying. Right there. Man, when you're worshiping, you're downloading that stuff. It's just cleaning you right on up. Taking the load right off of you. But yes, you need to understand that these words are good words. Words to bring encouragement to your life. Good words that will bring life to others if we have the right perspective again. Not because you are trying to get approval by the Father, but because He already has approved you and has blessed you. And I'm going to get into that. We need not to serve from a place of... We need to serve from a place of love, but the word love has been misunderstood too many times. We always are saying, hey, I love you. 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 
But do we really understand what we're saying? I do it too. I look, I'm painting myself here as I'm talking, okay? I'm no different from you. I struggle with the same things, certain words, certain attitudes, certain actions. But when it comes down to love, it's a really tricky word because everybody thinks they truly love someone. And the question, and and the real thing is, do they understand what love is? You know, there's many views of love, but there's two dominating factors about love. Two different dominating viewpoints of love. One is the culture in which we live in. There's a cultural viewpoint. And then there's the biblical viewpoint or the one that we find that God shows us. And he constantly shows us this. He's constantly reminding us. He's gently prodding us. Holy Spirit gently speaking to us about how to love in the midst of situations that we'd rather be upset and mad and cuss somebody. Oh, yeah, cuss somebody out. I shouldn't be saying that. Uh, But anyway, because Christians don't do that, right? Uh, But anyway, the two different viewpoints of love, the one I want to talk about right now is the cultural viewpoint. What does cultural viewpoint of love look like? It's conditional, right? You do this and I will do that for you. Sounds like manipulation to me. It's, it's what I'm trying to get at here this morning. We, we, we need to get an understanding of what love looks like. Yeah, we can go back and we can read the scriptures and we can hear and see what the scripture says is God is love. Cultural viewpoint is if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. I hear that in marriages. I hear that in people just in generality, just talking, you know. How about this? It's involuntary love. Cultural is involuntary. You hear that people say this all the time. And I hear this in marriage counseling because my wife and I do this a lot. It's involuntary. It's just, I have no control over my love. I've fallen out of love all the time. Yeah, I, I loved my husband yesterday and my wife yesterday, but I don't love him today. That's the mindset of the culture, the culture in which we live in. Believe it or not, why did you break up? Well, I just kind of fell out of love. I just... Kind of, and, the, and the sad thing is, is the church, it buys into the same thing. There's no commitment in love. There's no, you know, well, if I don't feel like loving her today, I won't. That's your choice. But that's the way of the world. I am thankful that God didn't say to me, man, you blew it today. I don't love you anymore. I wouldn't be here today. I am thankful today that I don't live under the law, the law that would kill you if you blew it one time. But it's involuntary. I have no control over it. That's what the world says. It just kind of comes on me and then then it just kind of leaves. It's gone. Another thing about, especially when you're doing premarital counseling, you hear people say, why do you want to love this guy? Well, I just kind of get this warm, fuzzy feeling. You know? Yeah, that's what the world says. Warm, fuzzy feeling. If you love someone and you walk in love, you will definitely get them warm, fuzzy feelings. I got them this morning. When I'm sitting on there, I felt something come over me. It was nice and warm and releasing. But I'm going to tell you something. Most people say in the world that when the warm, fuzzy feelings go, love is gone. Well, I don't feel it like I love him anymore. So they say, I must not love him. I mean, I'm like, Okay. Have you practiced loving 
that person, truly loving them. But that's what people think, though. The culture thinks it's just this warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't have to be committed. It's unconditional. I have no control over it. And if, if that's the case, then I must not really love the person. Marriages break up all the time because of these lies, these, these, the, the way people see love. We sometimes fall into that. Even when, especially when you're first married, you get married and you hear the, the wife or the husband say, hey, would you mind doing that? Well, if you do this for me. Because our programming has not been switched. The switch of love, biblical love, had not been switched on yet. Now, I can't expect someone who does not know Christ to act like a Christian. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying to the church today, and I hope and pray because I'm an encourager by gift that I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm not here saying you're, how to live your life, but what I'm saying is I too need to have the light come on more often, the switch to be cut on, because we operate out of a lot of cultural love and we don't even realize it. And you know why? Because if you don't really sit down and not just hear your spouse, especially in marriages or, your, or whoever, is because we don't take time to under, try to get an understanding of that. I'm big with that. My wife talks to me all the time. And she said, will you understand me? No. You know? No. No, I don't understand. She said, well, get some understanding then, because I want this marriage to last. <laughs> but we go through that all the time, you know. And my wife, she's got a great understanding. She can figure out anything. But I'm like, well, Okay. Okay, so that's cultural. We all operate in that sometimes. But the Father in us is trying to get us to walk out and to see love from a place of His heart. That's what makes the difference. So what does biblical viewpoint look like? It is an action. It is other-centered. Philippians talks about that, right? Philippians 2. Had the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Have it, walk it out. It's an action. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't just kind of like, well, it may come on today and it may not. You know, we are, we should be the instigators of love. Why? Tell me something. Why? Because he's in there, right? Christ lives in us the hope of glory. We should always be projecting or living out that lifestyle of love. Biblical love says it's it's not conditional. It's unconditional. In other words, whether you serve me or not, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to serve you. We're perfect examples of that. God serves us every day with health and strength, jobs. The list goes on. He keeps serving us every single day. Whether you talk to him or not, whether you pray at all or read his word or even concerned with, without having even having a relationship with him as a Christian because there's a difference between just knowing him and another one is having a relationship with him. It's two different things. There's a lot of Christians that would just call upon him when things get rough. But then you got these other ones. I was talking to my sister again this morning. I'm glad she came in this morning. We talked about that. Deep and wide, deep and wide. The fountain of his love grows deep and wide. He's not a little God up on top of a needle. He is so big and vast and big and wonderful. You know, he wants to spend time with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. 
So he was not, he's always after us. We should always be after him. Biblical love says it's voluntary. We should always be chasing after God. He is so powerful, so wonderful. You know, it's a choice. It's a decision we make. It's no falling in and out of love. When you say you're a Christian and someone gets upset with you or even comes and rebukes you for something or says something out of the way to you, we have to make a choice. Are we going to choose the cultural way? Well, I really don't feel like it, loving that person. Has God called us that we can just love when we want to? No, he doesn't. He says we, he's called us to love 24-7. Why? Because he is our model. Jesus is our model. If you're ever in question about your making decisions, go back to the what? The little, the little bracelet. All right? The little bracelet, what would Jesus do? People thought that was just a little rubber thing you hang around your wrist. No, it was something we are, should be constantly reminded of. Again, don't let that dictate your life. Don't let it be a law. What I'm trying to say is, is this is a real statement. If you're ever in question about what love looks like, just go back to our Father. He's not, a, he's not, an, abu- he's not an abuser. He's not going to say He loves you and then He holds back on you. See, that was the big lie in the garden, right? You can have everything in the garden except that one thing. And the lie, the lie was, God's holding back on you. He don't really love you. Go out there and do it yourself. You know, in this message, I struggled for, 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 for weeks because this has been brewing for a long time. And the message that I wrestled with or the passive scripture that I was going to use was John 13. It was the night before Jesus was betrayed. He spent time with his disciples and he said he full, showed his full extent of his love to them on that night. Right? And I'm going to get into that. That's going to be the part two message. But I want you to see here a little bit. But I kept wrestling with this next thing that I was supposed to say. Because I couldn't try quite get over the hump. How, how, you understand what I'm saying? Some of you are teachers. Some of you are preachers. Some of you, whatever. But every now and then you have this great thing you want to talk about. But then there's this one little empty space. How can I get from here to here? And I kept wrestling with the Lord, and I would go to the K, and I'd say, oh, my God, how come I'm not getting this? And I was, like, almost getting ready to give up. You know, I was getting ready to call pastor and say, look, you've got to get somebody else. Yeah, because it, it gets frustrating sometimes when you're doing that. But the Lord, one morning I woke up, and I was laying there, and I heard the Lord say, just give a little bit of your testimony about love. I said, Lord, I've given Harvest my testimony multiple times. He says, are you tired of giving it? Man, you're talking about kicking me in the, out of the bed. I'm not going to say kicking me where, but out of the bed. Man, I was like, whoa. I was like laying there going, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, talk, speaking of love, cultural versus biblical love, I, I grew up in a family of seven kids. My father was an alcoholic. My mother became one after my father died when I was 11. And, you know, the testimony is, and everyone he could probably say is, well, I really didn't see a whole lot of love in my family. Well, when you're four or five years old, you don't even know what love looks like. It's just mom and dad is going to provide for me. That's all. That's all you know. But as you grow older, you begin to look back and you begin to say, 
Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of love in my family. And I, I, I just love to hear Kathy's story because Kathy has a, kind of a unique story where she just rants and raves over her, the love her father showed her. I love that because it's not, you know, parents and people like ourselves go through a lot in life and we don't always show love the way we should, right? Or we don't always walk out this love that the Father has in us. But I remember growing up and I remember uh, never seeing a lot of, love in my family. I knew that we were being taken care of, but it was seven kids and a father that worked. We see parents today, they have two kids, and they're just like, how in the world am I going to do it? Life has changed, sure. But my father uh, ended up having to retire early and became an alcoholic in the midst of it because most men resort to some type of pain relief because men are called to provide, and if they don't, most of the time they end up doing stuff to run and hide from their responsibility. Women probably too. But as I grew up, I didn't never really see a lot of love from my father. My mother, I could testify in a different way. But I knew that when I was five and six years old, and up until the time I was 11, and my father was drunk all the time and angry all the time and just violent all the time, my mother would take me down in the woods at night and hide me under trees and bushes and build these little cardboard boxes to keep me from the abuse of my father. Some of you already know that. But I didn't understand what love was. I didn't understand what... If everybody says they love you, if love looks like this, I don't want to be a part of it. And as I grew up, and my father died at 11 and 13, I got into the drug world. And for eight years, I was lost and just hooked on drugs. I was doing every type of drug you could think of. And I was looking for love. So I would end up in the gangs in the streets, and I would do anything I could do to, to be loved. But I didn't really understand if people love me, especially your parents love you, and there's abuse, how could that be love? What is so when I got saved, the first thing I had to do is I had to forgive my father, even though my father had died years before that. I had to learn, I had to go, Father, Father God, please forgive me for being upset with my father and angry. And as I began to do that, God poured out of my heart a love for people like never before. Because just like you guys here today, every one of you are very special to me. And you just don't know how much. Just you being here today. Just be, just your presence. We have a common bond that you don't understand, you just don't know. And I appreciate that you just being here. But there was a love that I didn't see from my father. So I grew up all crippled minded in my mind. And then after I got saved and I gave my father father and God downloaded all this love in my heart for people, man, my whole perspective changed. If you want to get to my heart, you can get through me, not through a million dollar check, but show me kindness. Just show me kindness. I'll do anything in life to receive that. So the father began to be kind and gentle toward me and he changed me radically inside. And he began to show me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. Some of you here today may have came up in a similar environment. It starts with forgiving your parents or mother or whoever or brother and asking God to download his love into your heart. And you will see a change like never before. But I didn't quite understand love growing up. But until after I got saved and the love of the Father began to live inside of me and change me, 
he began to give me a heart for people that were angry and broken and hurting because I look back on my father. Because, you know, parents don't want to abuse their children, right? That was never the heart of the father. When he created you and I as parents, he never said, you're going to be an abusive father. This is what I will for your life. No. It was what? That we would live in a lot, walk in a lifestyle of love to our kids, to our adult kids, to our mothers, to the elderly, to those we run into every day. So my question to you this morning, and, and I give you permission to speak, because this is a question. If not, I'll have to move on. But if I were to say I love you this morning, what would be your expectation of me? If I said to you, or to you back in this morning, that I love you, what would your expectation be of me as me saying to you, I love you? There's got to be proof. Right? Love is just not some abstract word that you haphazardly throw out there. Do you know that God of heaven gave his life because he loved us? To me, if someone tells me they love me, my expectation is some type of proof. Some kind of action. If you say you love someone this morning, listen to me. If you say some, you, if you say some that you love someone this morning, no matter where it is, whether it's to your wife or husband or your children or someone out in the marketplace or school or whatever, you are expected to show them by action. Why is that? Because the Father, God, right, says He loves me. And he's proved it time and time again. He's constantly showing me at some of my rottenest, most miserable moments of life where the devil's saying you're unlovable and you'll never amount to nothing like my father, earthly father, used to say to me. But if you say that you love someone, you're expected to show them by action. Now, how many of you this morning believe that you have a gift inside of you? At least one. Every one of us has got a gift. That's right. I'm not going to let you get by with it. Yep. See that hand over in the corner? Yep. That one back there, Travis. I see your hand back there. But we all have. Do you know that before you were born that God sat back and said, Becca, I'm going to put a gift inside of you when you hit your feet on this earth. You know what? I may just give you a couple if you're good. No. That's not what he says. That's not what he says. No. He said back before we were even a dot on this earth. And he said, yeah, my Becca, that's my daughter right there. I'm going to trust her with this gift. We think we come up with these gifts and talents like, you know, we buy them off of a shelf at store. It's not that way at all. Do you know that when our father shows love through his action by giving us a gift. It can be this little or it can be a, this big. It's still a gift. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But we need to learn to appreciate it. We really do. But every one of us sitting here, everyone born in this world 
before they were born, gifts and talents were given. And you end up in a cradle, in a little crib, and then you grow up and you see this young daughter here, for example, doing certain little things. And mom and dad are going, hmm, yeah, I know she's going to be a mathematician one day. Or she's bringing cupcakes to the neighbor all the time. Mommy, you know, Ma, uh, uh, Miss, Miss so-and-so is sick, and I think we need to take some soup over there. So what do these things look like? Looks like a lot of compassion, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of compassion. Myself as an encourager. Don't sit around me if you don't want to be encouraged because I'm going to encourage you. Why is that? Because that's who I am. Pastor Doug, for example. If you don't want to go up into the heavenlies or you don't want to be loved with big old arms, strong arms, don't get near him. Because him and Cindy both, they will take you right up into the heavens. You'll be sitting up on the, you'll be sitting right there, man. Like, yeah, hello, Jesus. You know, because that's what their gifts is. That's their talents. That's who they are. They live for that. They don't, they don't go, well, I'm going to go out today and take people to heaven. No, you just become that, right? That's who you are. If you love someone, you'll show it by action. I love coming here and I, I get here early sometimes and I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be a spectator. People think, oh, yeah, Paul's just here early or he's leaving late. But you know what I'm doing? I'm looking at people's gifts. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, she's got the gift of that. And then I got these other people going, they don't know what they got. They're like, what kind of gift do I have? I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know your gifting, that's the engine inside of you, right? That's what drives us. We don't know that. I used to go to a church. His, uh, he was an evangelist. And I was, I was on staff there. I was the associate pastor there. And in this event, the pastor, pastor of the church, wasn't really a pastor. He was an evangelist. So all the people would come to me and be, okay, why is so-and-so not uh, trying to help me with my problem? I said, well, he's an evangelist. All he sees is numbers, big stadiums full. You need somebody who's either a teacher or an encourager. You know, but you've got to find out who you are. They would get mad. I'd be putting out the fire. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. You just don't understand him. He's an evangelist. You'll be talking about winning souls, winning souls, winning souls. Why is he always having... And I, gotta, I, gotta, I need to be prayed for. Oh, he'll pray for you, but he'd rather pray for someone that he's getting ready to get saved first. You know, That's just how they operate. And in your situation of life, you, sitting here today, have been given at least one gift. I may not have the same gift as you, or I may. So what are some of the kind of actions that's going to re- what are some of the actions that we are required to do if we have a gift? Some of the gifts, depending upon what gifts you have, can look like this. Kind words, right? Man, I love getting kind words. Me talking about it wants to make me cry because I love kind words. Because they're gentle, they're soft, and they're huggable, and they're sweet. Who wouldn't want that? How about a nice email or a text? Out of the blue. Yeah, I think I'm just going to text so-and-so or see someone in church. I love coming up to you back in the morning. Just, I want to come up and give her a hug, but she would think I'm really coming on to her or something. So I said, nah, I'm married. I'm not going to do that no more. But I just love hugging people. Pastor Doug's a hugger. You know that, right? He's a hugger too. He loves it. But I love hugging people. People need hugs. People need kind words. People need out of the blue, out of the ordinary. The Bible says we are peculiar people, strange people. We need to be doing some strange things. 
Because people want to be hugged. People want to have nice, kind words. And my time is out. Can you believe that? I said to myself, okay, I'm about to have a prayer meeting afterwards with the group. But you know what? I want to close out with this. Isn't that amazing? My time just whipped away. I hope you all got something from it this morning. Just a little bit about love. But let me just close with this. Having get dinner together, okay, and I love having dinner with people, taking people out and getting to know them. So, yeah, you're next. <laughs> or taking a neighbor something, something, a special treat, as I had mentioned earlier. Just these things. But my, 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 my just of this is this. I want you to understand that you guys are a message of love that the world desperately needs. It really is. And every one of you got love in you because the Father is in you. The Father of love is inside of you. You are important to this world. You're important to the kingdom. And I want you to start walking in that. I'm not just not somebody. I'm a somebody. And it's the difference. So I ask you today just to consider that as you leave out. And you know, I've got, looks like part three, four, five, man. I kind of just let the Lord do his thing today, guys. I walked in. I said, Lord, I'm going to let you have your way in my life today. I'm just not going to try to manipulate the my message, and I wanted to be vulnerable and I wanted to be real with you. So let's just bow our heads just for a second as we close this morning. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Father, I believe right now that you have already downloaded from the moment the first tune came from the the musical instruments. I really believe that. Thank you for wrapping your arms around us. What would life be without you? What would life be without you? When you walked this earth, you walked a total obedient life of love. People's lives were changed. That's what it's about. Being transformed from the inside out. Father, you walked those dusty roads many times and people looked at you and laughed at you and said, wow, look at this guy. But you took all the abuse because your mission was one of love. A lifestyle of love. Go ahead and abuse me. Go ahead and make fun of me. I'm not going to be like the world that says, if you only treat me nice, I'm going to love you. But Father, your word says that wherever you went, people were looking for that love. They were following by the crowds just to get a glimpse of this perfect picture of you. Father, I ask that right now that you would touch hearts you would touch hearts this morning that people would be vulnerable enough to say I need that love afresh I need to recognize that love inside of me if there's someone here this morning would say that yes I need to be touched by God's love this morning I've had a rough week hard time this week I just want his arms to be wrapped around me again. Just lift up your hands right where you're at. 
right now. Yes. 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 Father, I see that hand this morning, and I thank you. Help us to understand love. Help us to walk in love. I pray for that sister this morning that right now, that the love that's inside of her would just overtake her right now. Your love, Father, your love, rise up within her and comfort her and strengthen her right now. We thank you for that. Father, as we leave this place today, help us not forget that you have called us to, called us to a place of walking out who you are. Why? Because you live inside of us. Thank you for what you have done today in this place. Help us to continue to remember the greatness of who you are in us. For greater who he is in us than he that is in the world. Your love in us has made all the difference. And we give you praise this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, please just come up here this morning. I'd like to be able to pray for you. Yes, if you need prayer this morning, just come up. Hope you guys have a great week. Thank you.